All right, if you have your Bibles with you, uh, turn to 2 Corinthians. We're going to get there in just a minute. Uh, but I'm going to continue the series that Pastor Thomas has started a couple weeks ago called uh, Cancel Culture. And that, wouldn't you agree that's been an amazing series? Man, I was listening to it this week as I was preparing to, to preach this message and um, just amazed and astounded how well uh, Pastor has done to define what that culture is, looks like and how we can uh, deal with that in, as, a, as the church, as the body of Christ. And so the definition he gave for cancel culture is a movement to minimize, to intimidate, or to eliminate different opinions or beliefs in an increasing way, especially beliefs or statements related to family values and biblical morality. And the heart of the series that Pastor uh, shared with us uh, that he laid out was that we would learn to walk in the boldness of Jesus Christ, dependent upon the Holy Spirit, so that we're no longer dependent on the patterns or the structures of the world, but we're dependent on the patterns and structures of God's kingdom uh, through his word and by the power of his spirit. And so the enemy has a very clearly defined strategy uh, to steal, to kill, to destroy that's been outlined in scripture. And uh, the, the example of some of the things that pastor shared with us that he uses to steal, kill, and destroy are racism and prejudice, which he says are legitimate wrongs where people that are, are operating in that spirit of racism and prejudice need to be held accountable for. These people are simply tools in the hand of Satan and, use, and Satan uses these tools to affect politics, to, to, to affect decisions on our health, to, to affect our family values, uh, biblical morality related to gender and sexuality. He uses this as a strategy to bring about destruction of the people of God as well as this nation. He uses it to bring about a spirit of division. And for those of you who aren't aware, a spirit of division is the fruit of jealousy which brings about with it also strife and envy and murder. The first example you will see of this in is the example of Cain and Abel, where uh, Cain and Abel were to bring offering to God. And, and it says, the scriptures say that Abel brought the first fruit of the ground uh, to God. And then uh, Cain, after a period of time, brought an offering to the Lord. God accepted Abel's offering, but he did not accept Cain's offering. And Cain's countenance fell. He was very angry and upset. And God says, man, if you do right, will you not be accepted? Your brother did right and his offering was accepted, but yours was not. And so Cain takes his brother out into a field and murders him. There was a jealousy that one offering was accepted, but his was not. So he takes his brother, there's strife, there's contention, and he murders his brother in the field. And that's where that spirit of jealousy came in. And it displays itself in our culture today as part of the areas of division. And so when you understand what that spirit is, now you can come at it with the opposite spirit, which is the title of today's message. When you look all over the world today, but especially here in the United States, you see that spirit of division being released over our nation. So much so that instead of canceling Netflix and in uh, Disney, like we probably should, we begin to cancel people. It's happening at every level of society. The spirit of division is operating at the highest levels of government. It's operating in our businesses, in our organizations, and it's even operating in our homes. Here's the good news. As we'll see in the scriptures today, the way that we overcome this spirit is through the word of God 
and through engaging the enemy in the spiritual realm. Make no mistake, this cancel culture spirit is a spiritual battle. And if we simply try to engage in the natural realm, what we end up doing is operating from our flesh and not from God's strength. We, the body of Christ, are not trying to cancel people. That's how society operates. Jesus himself was sent to destroy the works of the devil, to cancel the devil's plan, and so are we called to do the same. As, as a spiritual battle, we have to wage that war in the spiritual realm. The scripture says that we're in the world, but we're not of the world. Listen, you're not a human being having a spiritual experience. You are a spiritual being having a human experience. We're to operate in and by the spirit and then through that, create a spiritual cancel culture where instead of canceling people, we discern and love them where they're at. While at the same time, we cancel the work of the enemy in our lives and in the lives of those around us. We cannot only engage the battle in the natural realm of what we see in front of us and expect lasting change. We have to engage in that spirit realm, the realm that we cannot see and appropriate the victory that has already been won for us through Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross and changed everything. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your word. I thank you, Lord God, that your word goes out and it accomplishes exactly what you set it out to, to do, Lord God. It does not return void. I pray, Lord God, that your word would become revelation to us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Again, you can hear me say this a lot during this message and I'm not gonna, be, I'm not gonna apologize for it. We have to continually engage and change the spiritual atmosphere around us in, our, in the city, uh, in the nation, in our homes. We have to do that if we're gonna see the kingdom of God established in those areas. So you're there in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Uh, if, you, if you don't have your Bible with you, you can get the Bible app, version Bible app, and then go to events. There's three little lines on the bottom. Click events, uh, and then you'll see a map come up. It'll show Rev City Church. Click on that, and those notes will be there for you. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 says this. For the weapons of our warfare... So he's already establishing we are in a war, okay? The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power. We destroy arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Now, what I wanna do is I wanna break the scripture down a little bit. I went to the Greek and I began to look at the scriptures and what these specific words mean. So I want to break it down for you a little bit to give you the context or a picture of what this is saying to us. It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not of flesh. Here's the thing. If our weapons are simply of flesh, then this is what that means. That we are operating by a mere human nature, not by the spirit of God. And it includes the idea of a depraved mind. So to operate in the flesh, oftentimes we're operating with a, a mind that's off center of what God's will is for us to do. We're operating from a depraved perspective and it's not, it's humanistic. It's not spirit led at all. But he says, we're not operating that way. 
we're operating with divine weapons. And here's what the word divine means. Divine means that when you operate in the spirit of God and you're operating with God's divine weapon, then you have become the vice regent of God. You are his representative. And as his representative, you are able through divine power to bring down strongholds and any argument or reasoning when someone else tries to give you a countering belief system and try to defend it. You bring it down when you operate by the spirit. If you're operating by the flesh, it's just flesh on flesh. It's not accomplishing anything. You have to operate from a spiritual perspective. It says we are able to destroy arguments. And this is a reasoning that is hostile to the word of God and to the Christian faith. Then it says now we have to take every thought captive because all these things are coming at us. These arguments, all these things are coming at us. These uh, reasonings, these, um, uh, these opinions that are raised against the knowledge of God. And so we have to take every thought captive. And this is that mental perception, that thought says, is this what I'm hearing from the word of God? And if it is, then I appropriate that by faith. If it is not, then I'm ready to punish that word until it becomes obedient. It doesn't line up with God's word. I'm going to begin to meditate on the word of God until that thought goes away or changes. Okay, so we have to engage in the spirit. And here's what I love about this. It says we have to punish that word. And in the Greek, when you look up the word punish in this particular scripture, what it means is to avenge. So when you take thought captives and when you grab a hold of them and you begin to punish them until they become obedient to God, guess what? You become an avenger. (laughs) A spiritual one, but nonetheless, an avenger. You begin to avenge, you begin to punish that word. It says, no, I'm not going to think that way. I'm going to think the way God wants me to think. Then it says, then our obedience is complete. And what that means is we become spiritually mature. The word there in the Greek is pleru. We become mature. We begin to think the way God wants us to think. In order to build on the importance of fighting in the spiritual realm, Paul goes on in the book of Ephesians, speaking to the Ephesians, and he says this, Ephesians chapter six, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. He's wanting you to see at a different level, not just what we see in the natural. He says, we're not warring against the natural. Your neighbor's not your enemy. Your spouse is not your enemy. Your children are not the enemy. The the enemy, the devil is the enemy. And if we're going after people and we're going after our spouses and if we're going after our children, we're fighting the wrong thing. We have to elevate our thought. We have to elevate our vision and look in the place of the spirit because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers in this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil. Where? In the heavenly places. If we're gonna see our, uh, our lives change, if we're gonna see our marriages restored, if we're gonna our, see our families reconciled, and if we're gonna see cultural transformation, we need to rise above the cancel culture brought on by the spirit of division. We have to engage in the spiritual realm and overcome the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places with God's word and by his spirit. You can't do it in the flesh. None of this cancel culture junk is a surprise to God, by the way. Do you know that? When we named, when we tagged it cancel culture, God went, whoa, I never thought of that. Wow. 
That's new. As a matter of fact, Jesus prophesied of this very culture when he was speaking in Matthew chapter 24. He preached about the last days and the great tribulation. And here's what he did. He, Jesus predicted that there were going to be a series of signs that would foreshadow the end of history. He spoke of nation rising against nation, kingdom against kingdom. He said there would be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in various places. He called these things the beginning of sorrows. And then he said this in Matthew 24, verse 10. And then many will be offended. They will betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Let me break down this scripture for you. He said, many will be offended. The word offended there. The word in the Greek is scandalizo. It's where we get the word scandal from. And it's to cause a person to begin to distrust and desert, and desert someone that they, in other times, trusted and obeyed. To cause one to judge unfavorably. So when some person is offended at you, they begin to judge you unfavorably. Or at one point, they maybe trusted you and listened to you. Now they say, no, 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 I don't agree with that. That's, that's, that offends me now, so now I don't trust you, and now I'm against you, and I'm going to judge you. Sound like cancel culture? The second word is to betray, and it literally means to deliver one to custody, to be judged and condemned, punished, scourged, tormented, and put to death, to deliver a narrating or a report. And you see that on social media all the time. I don't like what this person said, so I'm going to put a report together. I'm going to send it out. I'm going to blast it until everybody cancel that guy, cancel that gal, because what she's saying, I don't like. And so we're going, to, we're going to flood the media with stuff that will take them completely out of the system. It goes on to say people are going to hate one another. And this means to pursue with hatred in the Greek. It's a, it's a pursuit of hatred. To love less. To cancel. To postpone love and esteem. These verses that I just read in, in verse, Matthew 24, verses 10 through 12, represent the, eth the ethos of the cancel culture. This isn't new to God. Jesus prophesied it was going to happen, and we're living in the time where it is. If you write, uh, write notes, write, write these things down here. I'm going to share some things with you. And, and I, what I want to encourage you to do Write them down and then go to God this week and ask him to speak to you specifically about these things. The first one, number one, the battle is spiritual, so live by the spirit. Ephesians chapter six says it this way. Now my beloved ones, I have saved these, more, these most important truths for last. Be supernaturally infused with the strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus. Stand victorious with the force of his explosive power flowing in you and through you. Put on God's complete set of armor provided for us so that you will be protected as you fight against the evil strategies of the accuser. Your hand-to-hand -hand combat is not with human beings, but with the highest principalities, 
and with authorities operating in rebellion under the heavenly realms. For there are a powerful class of demon gods and evil spirits that hold this dark world in bondage. Because of this, you must wear all the armor of God, all the armor that God provides, so you're protected as you confront the slanderer. For you are destined for all things and will rise victorious. That's an amazing scripture. We have to be clothed supernaturally, infused with strength through our relationship with Jesus. Putting on God's armor, the scripture says, engaging in spiritual warfare, taking hold of the victory that Jesus has given us, always keeping our eyes fixed on God. Listen, it's a spiritual battle. If you are expecting Amazon trucks to pull up, pull out a coat of armor to give and say, this is for you, so you can put it in your closet and every morning you go, I gotta put my armor on. Amazon's not coming. This is spiritual armor. You have to wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to be clothed in the armor of God because I'm going to go out and I'm going to fight a spiritual battle today. In my workplace, in my schools, in, in, in wherever I'm going, there's a spiritual atmosphere that I'm going to change and I've got to be equipped. I've got to be geared up because if I'm not wearing the armor of God, then I'm exposed. So we put on this spiritual armor and that's how we obtain the victory. Again, keeping our eyes, again, on God in the spirit. Romans 12 says it this way. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become some well, so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God and you will be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you that's always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best in you, develops well-formed maturity in you, there's a spiritual work that God is doing in us and in you and I, and then he's gonna do it through you and through I. You overcome the spirit of this world, the enemy, with the opposite spirit, not with the flesh, in order that you can have a life led by the spirit of God that's fruitful. The book of Galatians chapter five says it this way, the message, my counsel is this, Live freely animated and motivated by God's spirit. Then you won't feed the compulsions of selfishness. For there is a root of sinful self-interest in us that is, odd, that is at odds with the free spirit. Just as a free spirit is incompatible with selfishness. These two ways of life are contrary to each other. So you cannot live at times one way and at times another way according to how you feel about it on any given day. Why don't you choose to be led by the Spirit of God and so escape the erratic compulsions of a law-dominated existence? Here's what that would look like practically is that one, one day you wake up and you're like, you know what? Today, I'm going to live like hell. 
and I'm going to pursue the things of the flesh, and I'm going to be a mean, dirty dog and just go out there and live that life. But then on Sunday, come in here and go, oh, yes, Jesus, praise Jesus. You know what I'm saying? You can't live this way one day and this way this way. You, the other day, you've got to say, I'm going to pursue God. I'm going to keep my eyes fixed on him, and I'm going to live a spirit-filled life. I'm going to live as though I'm a dead man walking. Christ in me, the hope of glory, is going to move in and through me because that's how I'm choosing to live. The battle is spiritual, and I'm going to live by the Spirit. Number two, walk in your spiritual identity. And this is one that every single one of us struggles in because I think uh, what happens is the enemy convinces us uh, to, 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 to give in to false humility. And here's what I mean by that. The spiritual identity that you've been given through Jesus Christ's death and resurrection uh, on the, from the cross, this is the spiritual identity. You are a king and you are a priest. And some are like, well, I'm just a plumber. I'm just a hairdresser. I'm just a banker. I'm just a construction guy. No, according to scripture, you are a king and you are a priest. That's your spiritual identity. And if we don't receive that as the word of God to us, then we're not going to walk in it because we don't believe it. In the first service, I gave a, a, a gentleman, uh, Troy, a, a word, and he came after me. He goes, Eddie, I heard what you said. He goes, I didn't know you were talking to me at first. And my wife said, he said, Troy, he's talking to you. And, um, <laughs> and so he said, I don't know how to do what you said. And what I share with them just very briefly is I, I said, you, have, you carry an authority, a weight uh, in your life that you need to uh, uh, grow in and, and give to others. And, I don't know, and so I began to ask him, I said, he goes, well, I don't know how to do that. I said, I go, what do you do? And he began to tell me what he did. And he was, used to be in law enforcement and all that kind of stuff. And so I said, well, you, surprise, no surprise, you carry authority. And I said, so you, you have people under your authority right now that you, in, in the job that you have? And he said, yes. And I said, impart your authority into them, teach them, train them, raise them up so they begin to operate in a different authority as well. And uh, yeah, man. And so he shook my hand and said, thank you very much. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna meditate on this. So walk in your spiritual identity as a king and a priest. That's who you are. Say, I am a king. <laughs> Everybody, come on. Say, say like, I'm a hairdresser. No, don't, don't do that. It's like, I'm a king. I'm a, king. I'm, a I'm a priest. I know it's hard. It's hard for us to receive that. Like, oh, do I get a crown? Only if you're going to the dentist, okay? Only then. Don't go purchase a, a, a crown. Your spiritual identity is a king and a priest. Revelations 1, 5 and 6. So you believe the word of God if you don't believe me. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins by his own blood. In other words, Jesus died for this, the spiritual identity. And has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Jesus died for you to walk in that identity. He rose so that you would walk in it and gave us the keys to the kingdom of heaven. As kings, when we walk in that authority, what we're doing is we're leading other people to God. As priests, we're operating in the ministry of reconciliation which has been given to us to reconcile people to God. We walk in the fullness of our spiritual identity and authority by embracing both 
simultaneously. It's not all about authority. I'm just, I'm the king. And it's not about, hey, just let me tell you about God. It's about both operating together. And when we do that, we see people come to the Lord and we take authority over environments. As kings, we rule and reign with Christ, the king of kings, bringing righteousness of God to to be established on the earth. Matthew chapter 16 says this, I will give you the keys of heaven's kingdom to forbid on earth that which is forbidden in heaven and to release on earth that which is released in heaven. You have an authority as a king. And Jesus has given you the key to say, this is allowed in the spirit realm and this is not allowed. And you deal with it accordingly. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, we are ambassadors of the anointed one to carry the message of Christ to the world. As though God was tenderly pleading with them directly through our lips. So we tenderly plead with you on Christ's behalf, turn back to God and be reconciled to him. That's what we're called to do as priests. Kings as authority and priests is to let the words of Jesus come directly out of our mouths from our lips to tell them to come and turn back to God and be reconciled to him. We need to walk in, in our spiritual identity to see the cancer culture changed and brought down. Number three, we must learn the difference between the discerning of spirits that we are up against and judging the people that are standing in front of us. To operate in the discerning of spirits was a spiritual gift given by God through the Holy Spirit. It's to say, to walk into an environment, to walk into a room, to walk in, into work or to a restaurant or wherever you're at and to discern the spirit of God and say, wow, this is not, the, the spirit of God is not here. So I need to begin to pray and walk in my authority to change the atmosphere. Pastor Thomas would say, you're a thermostat, not a thermometer. You're not going in there just to poke around to see what it feels like. You're going in there to change the entire room. So that's discerning of spirits. That's to discern. Have you ever walked into a house or into a place and go, whoa, there's something different here. It doesn't feel, it feels kind of off. It feels kind of weird. I get, sometimes you get, you get, you get, you know, goosebumps where it's like, ooh, this feels different here. You're discerning the spirit. Now what you're discerning, is this God's spirit or is it the enemy's spirit? And then act accordingly. Change the spirit. Begin to pray. Begin to intercede, whatever. That's a discerning of spirits. Now, judging, which comes really easy when, we, when we're walking in the flesh, is basically saying, wow, there's something wrong in here. These people must be a bunch of jerks in here. God, just kill them all. Lightning, Lord, whatever you got to do. Now I'm judging. Now I'm just saying, God, fire from heaven, burn them all. No compassion, no grace, no mercy. Just get them, Lord. When the sons of thunder said that to Jesus, he said, you don't know what spirit you're operating out of. So we need to distinguish between judging a person and discerning the spirits, and we need to choose discerning the spirits so we can change the atmosphere and walk in our authority, not judge them. Matthew 7 says this, refuse to be a critic full of bias towards others, and judgment will, be not, not, will not be passed to you, for you'll be judged by the same standard that you use to judge others. The measurement you use on them will be used on you. Why would you focus on the flaw in someone else's life and yet fail to notice the grave flaws in your own. Remember, we can judge the fruit, 
and then come at it with the opposite spirit. We don't judge the person, okay? We love them and, and try to reconcile them to the Lord. So how do we, how do we begin to live and operate by the Spirit, understanding that first the battle is spiritual, so we have to live by the Spirit. Then we have to walk in our spiritual identity and then learn the difference between discerning and judging. You see, it's not easy, and I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here, it's not easy to live by the Spirit in a world that's increasingly hostile to God's values, to, his, to the Word. However, as a representative of God's kingdom, we have our, at our disposal his word, which gives us every practical concept and way to overcome the work of the enemy, to come at the enemy with the opposite spirit, to create a different kind of culture in the world that we live in. See, in a world marked by cancel culture, Instead of judging the person, we choose to forgive. In a society where the past mistakes are fair game for the present, where there's no room for forgiveness or even an opportunity to make amends, instead those who are canceled as always treated as deserving scorn and, and wrath and judgment and, and we war with the opposite spirit, we kind of say, I forgive that person. They don't know what they're doing. They're operating by the spirit of this world, not by the spirit of God. So I choose to forgive. In order to live for Jesus in a world marked by cancel culture, we also choose to love. Remember, cancel culture is focused on judgment. It's focused on accusation. It's focused on judgment and punishment. The goals of those operating under that spirit are bent on broadcasting the sins of others from one end of the world to the other, never allowing them to be removed or forgotten. But as a Jesus follower, our goal is love and mercy and grace. First Peter 4 says, above all, keep, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sin. The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh but have divine spiritual power to change the spiritual atmosphere. And from that place, we, we engage. We continue to take hold of the victory and ultimately we remind the enemy of his defeat. Then we bring transformation to our culture. You have to see yourself as a king and a priest in the heavenly realm seated with Jesus in heavenly places. You have to forgive and you have to love, showing mercy and grace the same way that God, through, that God through Jesus Christ showed you when he saved you. You have to continually engage the enemy of your soul and fight with the opposite spirit. Remember, if we're not engaging the enemy and fighting for the territory that God has given us, then we're losing ground. There's never a time in your life that the enemy will say, okay, let's call a truce. You keep yours and I'll keep mine, ever. He's persistent. He's 
He's, he's a taskmaster. He's always coming for what you have. Remember, I said at the beginning, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his MO. He's not changing his colors. So we cannot allow him. We can't say, time out, can I take a break? No, no, we're engaging in the spiritual warfare until we take every bit of ground that belongs to us in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. When we came to Jesus, have the worship team come back up here. When we came to Jesus, he canceled our sin. He welcomed us into his family. Instead of disdain and deception and disconnection, he gave us love and forgiveness and truth and the ability to stand by his side. He sent his Holy Spirit to fill us with wisdom, with courage, with compassion, with gifts and fruit. He commissioned us to counter the council culture with the power of the cross, which can never be canceled, never be revoked for all eternity. That's why we engage in these spiritual battles, knowing with all our hearts that nothing and no one can ever cancel the one, Jesus, who canceled all of our sins. Amen? Stand up with me if you would, please, this morning. If you're here this morning, uh, I, want to, I want to pray for you. I want to, I want to pray for you guys, but I specifically, I said this in the first service, that uh, we want to cancel the enemy's assignment on our lives to bring us pain. And specifically what I heard this morning is people that are struggling with neck pain. I want to believe God for healing, not all pain, but if you're specifically struggling with your neck, would you please raise your hand so I know who to pray for this morning? There you go, right here in the front. Everybody here in the front here. There, I see you, I see you, I see you. Keep your hands up for me, please, just for a moment. And what I want people to do, if you see a hand lifted around you, would you put your, very gently put your hand on their shoulder? Just come around behind them, put your hand on their shoulder. Just begin to pray with them, pray for them. Father God, you see these hands lifted. If you're there online, I want you, if you can, to lift your hand and just, just receive from God uh, there online. Just receive from God the healing work that he wants to do in your life. If you're struggling for any other ailment, but I just specifically heard uh, next this morning, I, I, I want to pray for those two. For any of us, Lord God, in this room that are experiencing any kind of physical pain, I pray, Holy Spirit, would you be a healer today? Your word says that you sent your word out to heal them, that by the stripes of Jesus Christ, we are to be healed. And Father, do you see these hands lifted? Some people can't even raise their hands because the pain is so bad inside their neck and other parts of their body. Lord God, would you be a healer today? Would you, like the balm of Gilead, release a salve, a spiritual salve onto their lives, Lord God, to cause the neck pain to leave and the pain in their body to leave in Jesus' name? The muscles, the tendons, the joints, the disc, Lord God, that are herniated and swollen, Lord God, would you cause that to cease in Jesus' name and be a healer today, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Would you just tell Jesus, tell the tell Lord, God, heal me today. God, I receive your healing today. I receive it through Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for being a healer, Father. 
Thank you for your mercy and for your grace. If you're here this morning, you can put your hands down now. If you're here this morning and you've carried unforgiveness in your heart for a person, for an individual, for a family, for a situation, whatever that is, there's an anger inside of you that God wants to quench, that God wants to remove because it's causing you to fall into sin areas. But if you need to forgive somebody, and, and here's what I tell people that I, that I work with in my, you know, that come to my office and stuff. Forgiveness is a process. Yes, you can forgive, but sometimes you're only saying it with your, with your mouth, just the words, because your, your spirit hasn't really engaged yet because there's so much hurt there. And what I felt like the Lord said to me as I was speaking this morning is that just as an exercise, as an act, to begin to train yourself to forgive with your mouth and then pray and ask God for your spirit to engage and to continually to do that over and over and over until you feel the release in your spirit that says, not only have I forgiven, but there's no more pain associated with that place. So if you're here this morning and you need to forgive, just walk with me through this exercise, okay? So everybody bow your heads and close your eyes. And if that's you and you need to forgive, what I'm, I'm going to do, I'm going I'm to pray a prayer over you. I'm going I'm to speak a prayer for myself. And I want you just to agree with that prayer. And if there's anybody in your life that you need to forgive right now, I want you out of your mouth to say that person's name. Just say, I forgive John or Robert or whatever. Just as an exercise. And then I'm going to lead you the rest of the prayer. Father God, as an act of my will, I choose to forgive. And put that name right there. And now, God, I ask you to help me to engage my spirit to walk out that forgiveness that I might be healed and they might be set free from my judgment. I ask you to release them from my judgment and to bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here this morning or you're there online and you've joined us today, thank you so much for being a part of today's service. And Pastor Thomas does this every, every week and we, we're gonna continue to do that today. If you have never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, today is a day of salvation. Today is an opportunity to do that. And it's simply confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. The scriptures say you will be saved. So if you're here in this room, if you're there online, I wanna ask you to do me a favor. If you need to surrender today, to Jesus Christ, would you just put up your hand for me so I can pray for you, pray with you. We're all gonna pray together. We're all gonna pray with you this morning. If you're there online, even if you're by yourself, man, I wanna encourage you, just raise your hand. You're not raising it to pastor. You're not raising it to a preacher. You're, you're just raising it to, you, to God and say, God, I'm surrendering my life to you today. Thank you, Jesus. We're gonna join with you that put your hand up today. And we're gonna pray this prayer this morning. I want you all to join me in prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, I recognize my need for a savior. I thank you for sending Jesus to, to pay the price for my sin. I repent of that sin and ask you to forgive me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I receive him into my life. Thank you for giving me a new life and a fresh start. Thank you that today my life has changed and I will never be the same. In Jesus' name. 
Let's give the Lord a clap off here for those who are about to We're going to lead one more song and the best going to come up and close us. Let's worship the Lord.